We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Turn to the book of Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. And I won't be longer than an hour. How about that? Amen. Actually, this message is so very simple that I don't need very long to share it with you. We're looking into the season of giving and gifting, and we're always thinking about who are we going to give what to, and where do we find it, will they be happy with it. It's all about us giving to one another, is where Christmas is really boiled down to. But you and I know that the true story of Christmas is the fact that God gave His only begotten Son for you and me. In that God showed us His love while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So today I kind of want to flip the tables because we're always talking about what God has done for us. There are folks who responded to this altar call this morning who can tell you what God just did for them. The gift that he just gave to them. So from our perspective, often it's all about what God can do for us, what God gives to us. And I'm thankful for every blessing that he does give to us. If you're thankful for forgiveness of your sins, can you shout amen? If you're thankful for a God who never leaves you or forsakes you, can you shout amen? If you're thankful for a God who's your healer, can you shout amen? If you're thankful for a God who is ever faithful, even when you're faithless, can you shout amen? See, it's all about, in our perspective, what he gives to us. But I want to flip that role this morning. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about what we can give to him. I think when Micah was writing this passage of scripture, he had that in mind. What can we give back to God because of what he's done for us? There's an old proverb that says the only gift worth giving is yourself. Think about that. Romans 12.1, Paul said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So let's look at that scripture, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and let's see what it is Micah, hearing from God, said we can give to Jesus. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with with thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. You ready for it? This is the gift that Jesus wants you and I to give to him this Christmas season. What is it that the Lord requires of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He says, what is it that I can give to God? Would it be thousands of calves or rams? Would it be rivers of oil? You see, he lived under the Old Testament system of sacrifice. So when he was suggesting these things, it was not inappropriate in any way. He was suggesting bringing his best gift as a sacrifice to God. But then he flips the tables as the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord says, what do I require of you, Micah? What do I require of you, Dell? 
What do I require of you, Daniel? What do I require of you, Christine? What do I require of you, Jeremiah? What do I require of you, Steve? What do I require of you? Only three things, he says. And those things are to, read it one more time, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. I wonder how different our world would be if every believer, I didn't say Christian, I said believer, every believer in Jesus Christ would employ these three things this Christmas season. Think about it with me. First, he says, we should act justly. Now, you and I know from living in this world that really there's very little true justice in the world today. Very little true justice. Matter of fact, it almost seems that there's more things that are unfair and lopsided and disjointed than are just. In a world today, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. The evil seem to succeed while the good seem to fail. Everything seems as though it's turned upside down and it's very difficult to determine what justice really is. You've all heard the expression... Steal $10, go to prison. Steal a million dollars, be reelected to Congress. You've all heard that, right? I'm not sure I'll ever understand justice in the context of this culture. It just doesn't work. It doesn't wash. I mean, think about what's happened in our little city just in the last few weeks. A gunman walks into a place and kills two and wounds seven for no apparent reason. No motive that can be seen. Let me stop and say that that's not true. When you read the story of that shooting, what you will discover is that man, the shooter, was hooked on pornography, hated women, debased them, denigrated them. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. If you are dealing in pornography, if you're dabbling in pornography, it will be the destruction of your very soul. But the good news is there's an answer. Jesus Christ is the deliverer. He can set you free. He can cleanse your mind. He can change your desires. He can break that lust off your life and make you the man or woman he wants you to be. Don't say, well, it's just the way I am. No, it's the way you've chosen to be. And that choice will lead you to destruction. It will destroy you personally. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your home. It will destroy your finances. Pornography is a tool of the devil to twist things inside out, to pervert what God meant to be holy and destroy men and women. So get a grip and get over it and get delivered. Well, it's not that easy. Yeah, it really is. You make the decision, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And move forward from that day. Just this week, two more murders in Tallahassee. It's unbelievable. We don't understand it. Where is the justice? I remember years ago reading the story of a horrific crime that happened in McKinney, Texas. A wife went to the house of her husband's lover, going to confront the woman. Only she took an axe with her. When she confronted the woman, she killed her by striking her 50 times with that axe. And somehow it makes no sense. It's not just the jury determined she was acting in self-defense and she got off. And I'm thinking self-defense 50 times with an axe. That's not self-defense. Where's the justice? Where's the justice? Isaiah 59 talks about the fact that in that day and in that time, there was no justice in the land either. 
Isaiah writes of Israel, The Lord's hand is not shortened till he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from him. Verse 4, No one calls for justice. Verse 8, There is no justice in their ways. Verse 9, Therefore justice is far from us. Verse 11, we to look for justice, but there is none. Verse 14, justice is turned back and truth has fallen in the street. It really describes our culture and our society as well. Things are upside down. They make no sense. There is no justice. But this is how Isaiah finished that lament. He said in verses 15 and 16, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercession. Now listen to it. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. His own righteousness, it sustained him. Oh, do you know today that Jesus came to bring justice into the hearts and lives of men and women? To balance the scales, to make things as they should really be. Justice. I wonder what would happen if we who are believers would wrap up this little gift of justice and begin giving it and begin living it every day of our life. I wonder what would happen if we would say, Lord, we really don't care about anything else. We're only interested that you help us to be fair and be just in all things. I wonder what would happen if justice began to work through our lives so that we could truly say the color of your skin doesn't matter. Your language is not important. Your ethnicity is not what I'm interested in. What would really happen if justice began to flow through our lives? What would begin to happen if we could say, I'll never gossip about anyone again? Wow, that is close to home. What would really happen if we would say, Lord, I will not complain. I'm going to live in justice. We're not going to fight and argue with one another. We're going to live in justice. You know, for years, the church has been ridiculed and mocked because that's exactly the way we behave. We gossip, we gripe, we complain, we put one another down. That's not what the church is, and it's not what the church does. It should be a place of justice where every every race... Every ethnicity, every language group is welcome into the presence of God. Where I can look at someone who is a different color and a different race and a different ethnicity, and I can say, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. It will no longer be an area of separation and division, but we will act justly and show the justice of God. Our society is so deeply divided over things that are simply temporal. If only we in the church would wake up and realize we got eternal business and it begins by showing justice to one another. What would it be like if we wrapped up justice in our lives and we gave it to Jesus Christ? Number two, he said, you need to love mercy. Love mercy. That word mercy can also be interpreted or translated kindness. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It's hard yet to find kindness in the world today, isn't it? People are unthankful, unruly, unkind. 
by and large. Maybe you heard about the woman who made the brag, I have never once swore. But she made everybody else around her swear. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's the way we are. Have you ever been treated unkindly? Have you ever been judged unkindly, unfairly? Have you ever felt like people didn't really care about you and you were being rejected by them? Listen, that happens in churches. I hear it all the time. We've all experienced it. I mean, think back to the New Testament times. There were lepers who had been cast out of society because of their disease. Yet when they came to Jesus, he didn't shun them. He didn't push them away. He didn't say, your past prohibits me from doing anything for you. He didn't say, you're too far gone. You just need to die. He touched them. He spoke life to them. He showed mercy to them. Oh, friend, we need to understand, grace is getting what I don't deserve. Mercy is getting what I should have deserved. Amen? What I should have deserved, mercy wipes away. Think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. When she met Jesus there at noon, he didn't say to her, why are you coming so late in the day to get your water? But rather he read her mail. Talked about who she really was, what she had been through, and how she had lived. And then he gave her living water. Living water. He didn't preclude her because she was promiscuous. He didn't say, because you're asleep around Sally, you have no part in the kingdom of God. But rather, he opened the gates so she could come in. And when he opened the gates for her to come in, she went back into the city and she told everybody she knew, come and see the man who's told me everything that I've ever done, yet loves me anyway. How about showing mercy? See, we are so quick to judge. So quick to bring down that fist of judgment. How about showing mercy? Would you make a covenant with me this morning that I'm going to be a person of mercy this Christmas season? And that's going to be hard for me. Although it's a little easier this year than it normally is. Because with my knee, I'm not going to Walmart. Praise God. (laughs) But I'll tell you, at Christmas time, it's kind of hard to show mercy when you're in those stores, isn't it? Somebody say, thank God for Amazon. I don't have to go there anymore. We love Amazon, don't we, Yvonne? Send us that Christmas list. They're delivering the package to your home. We don't even have to carry it. I love it. It's wonderful. But when you're in the mix, I've never been to a Black Friday. I've always refused. But I can only imagine how different it would be if someone were to show mercy. Show mercy. Would you make a covenant to show mercy, to be kind to one another? And let the love of Jesus Christ, this is where it really hits the road. The holidays, we are forced forced together with family. Some of them we don't even like and we don't want to be around. Some of them have tainted the past so badly that we've never been able to get over it. This is a challenge to some of you in this room. You need to show mercy to those folks. You need to open your arms and love them and be kind to them. And just maybe there will be an open door of opportunity where they can receive the love of Jesus Christ because you chose to show mercy. You chose to live in kindness. And thirdly, he said, walk humbly with our God. The Lord told Micah, just one more thing I want from you. I want you to act justly. I want you to show mercy. And then there's one more thing. 
I want you to walk humbly. Walk humbly before our God. You know, the world that Jesus came into was not a humble world. It was a humble a world richly divided by the haves and the have-nots, the rich, the poor, the powerful, the inept. Completely and totally divided, influenced by Greco-Roman culture. It was a society where people were arrogant and proud of who they are and what they had. And in that society, they thought that your importance and your worth was measured by your possessions. If I have a lot of land, if I have a lot of cattle, if I have a lot of slaves, then I'm a pretty important person. That was the culture of that day. Roman officers rode on stallions and anything they asked, the people had to do, the culture of the day. But notice, when Jesus came, he didn't come into a palace. He didn't come with wealth and riches and regality. He came in a manger to an unwed mother. He lived a very humble life. He worked as a carpenter. And notice when he came into Jerusalem the week prior to his crucifixion, he didn't come in on a big fancy stallion, but rather he came in on a donkey. See why that's that important? It's important because when a king entered a city as a victorious king coming from battle or going to battle, he came in on a stallion. But when a king entered the city during a time of peace, he came in on a donkey. Jesus Christ entered Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace. He came to make peace between man and God. He came to rule and reign in peace for all the earth. Almost 2,000 years have passed since his time, yet our culture is really not any different than the culture in that day and time. We're impressed with brand names. We want the latest shoes, the latest clothes, the latest look. We want to make sure we have just the right accessories, that the bling is there. We want to make sure it's all right. We drive the right car. We live in the right neighborhood. It's all about perception. Yet to Micah, the Lord said, I want you to walk humbly. See, the problem in our society is we know the price of everything and the value of nothing. We've inverted that principle. God wants to teach us value. We gain value by walking in humility. James says, God resists the proud, but he, what? Gives grace to the humble. To the humble. Three Christmas gifts. Three things God wants us to give to him. He wants us to act justly. He wants us to show mercy. He wants us to walk humbly. Bow your heads with me. Tom, would you come back, please? Three gifts he wants every believer To bring to Jesus this Christmas season. To act justly. To show mercy. And to walk humbly. Father, thank you for your power and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for what you've already accomplished in this service and the lives you've already touched and changed. To now, now I'm praying for the church. For believers. That you would help us to embrace the attitude that Micah described. What does God want from you? He simply wants you to act justly. To show mercy. To walk humbly. There's an old hymn. Most of you have known it. You sang it for years. It simply says, I surrender all. 
this is my challenge to you this morning, church. If you're willing to take this challenge and offer these three gifts to Jesus this Christmas season, as Tom begins to sing this great old hymn, I simply want you to stand where you're sitting and sing it out. I surrender all to Jesus Christ. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to do those three things, stand right where you're at as we sing it out. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 